The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Get the chewables that give you the confidence you need and the performance you both want when it's time to have fun. BlueChew.com. Use code Vegas for $20 off your first order. Now, Waddle and Sylvie. Do, da, Thanks for listening and calling and participating in today's show. Great work by Charlie Bevins with us here. Eric Ostrowski as well. Back at the shop, Sean Graney and Jake Cantu. Job well done, gentlemen. And thanks uh, to the Bears for hosting us. This was our fourth and final training camp show. First exhibition game is Saturday. There is a community day for the final practice on Monday, and then that's it. Closed for the rest of the community uh, camp. I mean, camp essentially ends. It is very different uh, than it used to be. Uh, my I mean, first uh, camp up in Green Bay, and I got cut down in Miami, so I didn't get to stick around until after the week, uh, after the fourth week. But it literally went to the Monday before the before the season started. Monday before the season started. Not anymore. They told me they're going to release me. And they're going to bring me back on Wednesday on the practice on the squad. practice squad. Yeah. Wow. And that's I showed up at in Green Bay, and there it was. Signed whatever I was supposed to sign. Yeah. Then I'm in there. We're practicing. And that's there's it. game on Sunday. How about that? Yeah. Oh, like when you made the team in Green Bay, you're saying, right? Right. Like, my 1991. Right. When we yeah. had training camp. It right. went all it the went way all up the way to the week. Monday. All the way to the week of the game. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Now. It's unheard of. You're, bra- just... you're breaking camp on the 12th? Yes. They will break camp. I'll be honest. Uh, they need to get the, out of here. The 13th. I'll be, I'll be as frank as I 14. can. They need to get out of here. You be they, Frank. I'll they, be Carmen. They need to go back to Albert Nazarene. Oh, no. They'll never do they that. Need no, to, you they, think? They do because that's where you build your camaraderie. There's no camaraderie here. Mm. Doesn't get built in your own facility. Let's ask. Uh, it does need uh, to be a little bit of that. a change. Crosstalk is brought to you by Club Hawthorne, the betting bars featuring horse racing, video slots, and sports betting throughout Chicagoland. Who still does that? I mean, the Cowboys still go to California, right? The Cowboys still go to Oxnard? Yeah, they go to Oxnard. So, so it used to be, you know, New Orleans would go to Stevens Point. Right, right. You'd have to, you'd have the Cheese League up there. Kansas well, City was up there. Does anybody still? Saints, go, hey, Waddle and Sylvia are here. There. They're broadcasting live. Yeah, Saints are up there. Does anybody still go on the road like that, other than the Cowboys? I don't know. I'm I not don't know sure. either. By the way, as of Monday, you're not allowed to let the boys watch. Let nobody's nope, watching. That's it. Uh, I'm with Yurko, though. Like, if you ask me whether I could stay here or go to Platteville for training camp, I liked going to Platteville. Did you? For this, just for the reason that, like, getting away and, and, and getting down to business. And, yeah, I just, maybe it was just being, it was a product of, you know. I think it's a product of it, that, that, right, that was the environment then, though. Yeah. That's all you guys knew, you know. And it's so different now. I mean, today was... Uh, and I listen. I, I get it. I'm not criticizing necessarily. I'm not. I mean, like long practice yesterday, day off tomorrow. They finally get to have a game on Saturday. Today was. You want to talk about uneventful? I, yeah. I I don't know that I can identify a highlight from an hour and a half of practice that I watched. Yeah, you know, there was it's just it was right. You, I don't know if you guys. It was have a so tweak. uninspiring in terms of all the action that was going on. Like I didn't really even. I was out there, but I didn't watch much. I was. Engaged with other people and talking to other, you know, doing very uneventful, things. right, guys? Yeah. I mean, that's the best I way agree. I could put it. It's just way to put we, it. we get it Saturday, then right. we get it in Indy. Those, right, those, right, those are right, days. Sylvie. That's yes, it. exactly. That, that's what I'm most interested in. Right, is, I heard you say that how, yesterday. Yeah, is the 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 practices with the Colts. I think you'll learn more about your football team in those two days than you've learned this entire stretch of time. I, that's how I feel, because you're actually you're going. 
you, things are live and it's going to get hot and heavy and you're going to see how people respond to adversity and who will do what. As, right. This is what – if I was a coach in the NFL, this would be mandatory that I would take my team at least once. I feel like a lot of and teams And I think there's a couple of teams now that are doing it more than once. You do it with a couple of teams? Yeah. I, I feel so. like there are a lot of teams that do have pivoted to doing that uh, all the time. Um, so – and I heard you guys talking yesterday about – you know, I, was, I, I said if I could find one – identifiable thing from practice is that you know dj moore does probably do one thing every practice that makes you go damn he's just good so there's that and then i heard you guys talking about the comparison between like you know he and Diggs. could he you know stefan Diggs was a when sylvie first asked the question too i thought i go mm, i probably say stefan Diggs was maybe a little bit better in minnesota but then when you look at the numbers it's pretty comparable you know and yeah. Diggs probably had slightly more stable quarterback play dj moore really hasn't and so you know, if Justin gets better, maybe we do see that kind of pop where you go from being an 1,100-yard receiver to a 15 or a 1,600-yard receiver. Maybe that's in the cards for DJ Moore, the way things kind of turned, you know, went to that next level for Stephon Diggs when he got paired aren't with they, Josh Allen. Aren't they comparable, too, as far as the type of receiver? DJ Moore is a lot stronger. I would say DJ yeah. Moore stronger. That's yeah. what I would say. Diggs I is agree. more kind of a narrow guy yes. that's got better speed. DJ can play inside, outside, and he'll body you up and stuff. I think he's much yeah. stronger. I mean, DJ's than bigger. I mean, he's just—he's yes. a bigger, yeah. I think, more he's physical receiver. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Diggs. Diggs is probably Diggs is a little taller, like about an inch taller, is I think. He, I, but I think he's about six feet. But thinner yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's yeah. Gotta yeah be I think he wiry, uses more wiry. More wiry. DJ uses more of his, you know, natural explosiveness, and DJ Moore's got that. But he's strong. Like, yes, he's I agreed. Um, you can see it. You yeah, see it in his body. Different body types. You see it in his field. Yeah, like slightly different body types. Yeah. But yeah, we, Carmen, we, you it, walked right by us today. I they, know. I said to you, I go. He came right off the double right doors. Out, right out the doors. And and well, you know, he he he's still stout, is imposing. He, he's still yeah, he he's is. even though I think he's listed as at five eleven. I don't think he's he's like a a, a, a tall wide receiver. But he's still an imposing guy when you're standing up close to him. He's probably six foot two hundred, right? Isn't he? Is he, about he is. Six, is he six foot? He's listed at six feet two hundred and ten pounds. Yeah. DJ Morris? Yeah. yeah. DJ Moore. Yep. So yeah, it's strong. The thing that I I mean, look, when you and, and Johnny could probably tell you the guys in the offensive and defensive lines that look that way, but guys that, that the sport just looks easy for them. Uh-huh. Like everything comes natural, and it's just like, oh, that guy's a football player because of how he runs his routes and mm-hmm. his body language and his no wasted motion and his burst when he needs it. And he catches with his hands. Like you just watch him play, and you go, oh, that's the way it's supposed to look. Yes. Like just it looks right. It looks yeah, good. He makes it. the he makes it look easy. Yeah, and that's when you know. And it's not easy. And it's not. There's nothing easy about yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean, not. like, look, I'm I'm not sitting here pretending that he's Jerry Rice, and I'm not trying to tell you that he's Justin Jefferson, but I'm glad we have him Me because too. he is a hell of a football player. Yep. And he think he brings he brings the right approach to the game. It was the it, the skill. it was the best fix considering what was at your disposal. Totally Carm. Right? Totally. I mean, and I so, and that's why I am with you. Like, that's a good way to put it. I'm glad he's a bear. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not Jamar Chase. We all get it. Like I that said, I'm glad he's a bear, and I think he helps. He should help Justin tremendously. And you get the first round pick. Yeah. Exactly. 
Look, I mean, let's just take it. And, yes, Carm, what you said is true. He'll make the quarterback better. But let's remove the quarterback even from the conversation just for you-know-whats and giggles. You're a better football team regardless yeah. of who's under center because DJ Moore's in your offensive huddle. Yeah. If it was Nate Peterman, if it's Trevor Simeon, if it's P.J. Walker, you want D.J. Moore in your huddle. He makes you better the same way the right tackle makes you better. Yep. The same way Tunyon makes you better. I was like, going to say Tunyon, that's another you know, one. You're right. Yeah, so like I, all of this, yes, is put into place and should elevate the play of the quarterback, and that's all perfect. But if you had to go to the gate without said quarterback, you're a more talented offense, and that's yeah. the job of the GM. Amen to that. Um, yeah, so I mean, not not a ton to really break down or overanalyze from today. I mean, the Nate Davis stuff we we touched on. A few people on Twitter read like what you guys seem to be going too easy on him. I, I don't think we've been too easy, and I don't think anybody said it's okay. It's just more. What else can you do but wait and see? If he shows up and he balls it. on Sunday, yeah. hey, great. Uh, but uh, you know, it's been a little bit of a head scratcher, I guess. Uh, maybe not so much anymore because enough stories have trickled out. Like, hey, guys, the people from Tennessee have you know told the beat reporters here and if you know guys this is him he doesn't he doesn't practice that's it he doesn't want to practice the bears had to know that oh of course I, I, you know, yeah. and they were obviously okay with it we replayed what Eberflus told us when he sat down with us last week and he sort of you know it was almost giggling when he talked to us about nate davis you know there doesn't appear to be an injury and i'm sure the bears did their diligence well enough to know this is just it if he balls out hey okay so be it I don't know what else to say about it at this point. So wait, that that's like a uh, a predetermined thing. Like when you're signing, you're like, "Look, I, I, I'm I'm not I'm a lights go on guy." Like uh, Sylvie, look, I don't I, know, but they, I, I don't like practice. What, what what scares you more? I mean, I, I hope they knew. I don't know how you don't know that. If all the beat reporters know it, if everybody in like Courtney told us the the, the like a week into this whole thing when he wasn't showing up, she said to us, well, the word I hear from the Tennessee people is he just doesn't like practice. Well, if the beat people know it, I'd hope the Bears know it when they're signing him on day one of free agency. How would they not? But but, uh, here's my question. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm saying if the tape is the tape and he plays and balls out and you could deal with that and that's what you want, fine. You want to fix your line and you want to plug and play a guy, good. But if your number one principle is a head coach... Mm. on a rebuilding team is hits. Mm. And doesn't the H stand for hustle? I believe it does. Right? It does, yes. So, like, if that's Intensity. your whole... Intensity. It doesn't stand for hey now? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it stands for half or, like, half the so, time. So, <laughs> like, I mean, that seems to be indirect. Yeah. Yes. Right, yeah. I don't know, Sylvia. That's a good point. I don't so, know. So, I, I'm good with it. I want, I want Sunday players. I'd rather have Sunday players yeah. than Wednesday players. Right. <laughs> I don't like, I, you know, like, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't like, want, like, a baseball, I don't want 5 o'clock power. Right. I want 8 o'clock power. You don't want 4A players. I, I don't right. want, yes. I don't want Frank Williams, you, you, uh, you know, uh, you lighting know up practice Frank at the Bruno Center. That's I mean, an old school reference, the, 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 great, the greatest practice player in the history of the NBA, but, you know, when it mattered most, Frank couldn't play. So, yeah, that these are all... These are all good points. Carm, I mean, re- the, it would bother me more if Alex Leatherwood was out there getting it done Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then came on Sunday and couldn't play versus Nate Davis not being anywhere around the facility Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday he's out there moving people. Uh, I'll, I'll now, again, I want, I, want, I want both. I want both. Right. We have a problem if Nate Davis comes in against the Packers and there's three yes. false starts. Yes. 
then that's a problem. We there. have ourselves a problem then. then. We, Houston, we have a problem. When everyone can bitch and moan on that Monday. Yes. Right. And that's say, what this I said. is why you practice. That's what I said, yeah. yeah Until this, then, I don't yes. know what else we can say. He's not here. Right. right. You know? Wait, did you guys, when you talked to Coach, did you guys get the impression that there was an injury? No, or? not at all. So I'm I'm interested to see whether or not when they go to Indy and they start to that thing gets cranked up if he's going to be I don't out know there doing that Adam Johns is going to join us at three Adam Amin's coming up at two thirty but Johns covers this team really closely and it's yeah. a good question for Johns yeah I mean like we you can go back and replay it we replayed it you know Yurko joked he goes coach I wore sixty four but I I want to see your sixty four out there and that's kind of a great line he kind of chuckled and he goes he he's good I just talked to him he he's good he'll be back soon it was we did not get the impression that they're hiding any sort of injury no okay not one bit well like I said I'm going to save my yanks to you know at least we get closer to the to the regular season so yeah. it's right. too early for me to to. Let go of all my angst. Um, Sylvie, your Cubs are, it's the middle, you know, we're nearing the middle of August, and they're a half game out. I mean, like, this is the stuff you, you hope for as, as a baseball fan. Like, they've kept it interesting for you. They've been a fun team. They've been one of the best teams since the All-Star break. You're not going to win every series, and you're sometimes going to lose series against middling to bad teams like they did in New York. But, you know, and maybe I'm just looking at it from the angle of my team stopped playing competitive baseball on, I don't know, about April, on, like, tax day. Oh, so back. it's kind of a kick in the nuts, <laughs> you know, like, so maybe, maybe they've beat like, you know, like Waddle says, they beat me down and I've got Soxholm syndrome. That I'm just like, syndrome. Hey, Sylvie, at least your team's competitive in August. Like, I don't know if you feel good about it or not. I, no, I, I do. I right? do. You feel good like, about like it in the first year when, when a team is like finishing up a rebuild or like they're, they're sneakily good a year before you thought they would be in a, a playoff race. Like this is fun. You're it, into it, every game in August. Like it's every good. Game, right? Sitting up, but but again, like you when you when they do reel you in, then and yeah. when you're like three weeks ago, when you're like, well, maybe they should sell Bellinger, and then all of a sudden they reel off 14 of 17. Uh, then when they lose a game like they lost yesterday, and Seiya finally has a good game, yes. and they pull within one, and they get first and second, nobody out in the ninth inning. And they don't end up winning that game, and Ian Happ strikes out to finish up an 0 for 5, and he gets to the plate for a fifth time instead of Cody Bellinger yeah. again yeah. for the second time in 10 days, yes. which we've been talking about. Why is he batting ahead of Cody Bellinger? This is the essence of analytics. Get Cody Bellinger up for a fifth time quicker than Ian Happ. Um, we've talked to Boog about this too. Hey, yeah. Boog. Yay, Boog. <laughs> like, Dynamite drop in, Yurko. That <laughs> <laughs> was awesome. That was, that was, hey, Boog. Hey, Boog. That, that was fantastic. Like, um, then yeah. you get frustrated. Were you frustrated that with Madrigal at the plate, who for I'm all split. of his deficiencies, you know, like uh, I, I gave Yurko the stats, minimum 100 uh, plate appearances, all right? Uh, the only batter that swings and misses less often is Luis Arise, and the only batter that's got a better contact percentage is Luis Arise. The guy hitting 370 all season, 380 all season. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I just I don't get it. I mean, plus you're on the road. I mean, the other team's still coming up with an at-bat. I mean, you've already got the tying run in score. Why not force the defense yeah, to do something? Yeah. What I, I don't know. I, I lean your way, but it's not. I'm not as – 
and prove me wrong. Like I, 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 you could convince me otherwise. Here's the way I felt in the moment. Okay, okay? I'm not okay. going to, and you could definitely convince me. In the moment, I was very split. Okay, I, but but I'm probably a little more passionate over. I hate sacrificing an out when you only have three outs to play with. But I do see the point that Nick Madrigal, while he doesn't strike out. He still hits the ball into the ground a lot. Right, okay. And, and so you're worried a, about the ground, but you're worried about the double play. He's a very prime double play candidate, and yeah. I could see everybody saying, okay. here's Nick Madrigal with a 6-4-3, and now okay. all of a sudden it's two outs with only one on instead of second and third with with one out. Yeah. So, okay. like, 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 that's the... That's Fair enough, Counter. You, you, you probably have a better argument still wondering why Cody Bellinger's batting where he's batting in the lineup. Look, that like, still the, seems the, to be the head-scratcher. Like, I don't understand. Like, you want Cody Bellinger at the end of games to get up in one-run games. Why don't you want this, uh, one of these MVP candidates, you know, one of the, these guys that you have, uh, just an unbelievable story... Coming up to the plate before Ian Happ and Nico Horner. I don't know. It's a good question and a good point. But and like you said, Nico they, Horner's they, OB, o, 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 OPS. He's a he's a nice player. Nico Horner's OPS, I believe, is about seven twenty five. I can get that for you. Sounds about right. So yeah. so wh- why isn't Cody Bellinger's whose OPS is 900, 900 well, plus? It still seems they're playing why a, little, he, a little old school. They love Nico and the speed. And, and I know he else. steals a lot of bases. He he's, a, he's a nice ball player. I right. love Nico. Right. 726 OPS. So, so I said 725. I was, what, a, a thousandth off? You need to sharpen your yeah. – Yeah, 94, 94 OPS plus. So 6% below By the average. way, I think seven or eight of your nine guys every day, hitters, are above the major league average in OPS. I saw that stat mm-hmm. on one of the but, presentations the other day. Sylvia, cool. you're right. Like when it, when it is, it, it's exciting and it's fun, and they, they, they suck you back in like in Godfather 3, but then you do start to, you know, your, your intensity level ramps up with all yeah. these. And Karm, that means, is, you know, is, as much as you like talking bunting, I thought the, the one bunt that occurred last night that made no sense at all to me was the one with the Mets who aren't playing for anything right, right now. Right. Why in the hell would you ever ask, why is Buck Showalter uh, asking any of his guys to bunt when you're not playing for anything? I could actually understand for the reasons you mentioned why they asked Madrigal to bunt. Like, you're in a pennant race, right? You're in a division race. You're in a the race. The game to is get so the, much more important. Right. Yeah. For the Mets, why aren't you getting this young player at bats instead of asking him to bunt, and by the way, silly. you asked him to bunt with two strikes as well. Silly. It's all silly, and I—I I mean, it, it, it is. I, I don't know. There's. I, I thought you. I, if I was sitting next to you on a couch watching that game, oh, that's when God, somebody. Like, it's head, just bad. And I like Buck, but that's just bad stuff. It is. It's just old, silly. That's just the antiquated. Wow. It's, it's just an antiquated approach. We've I, had a I, superstar just walk into the room. Who just walked in? Jeff Joniak. Uh, no, yeah. no, 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 I didn't Joni. mean Jeff. This is a great. It's a great picture. Like so. First of all, Peggy is just sitting, hanging out. So we have royalty Waiting in here uh, with Go ahead, Peggy. Yurko, you can start the walkover. Yurko's going. Oh on. no! And, and then we have like around. two just the golden pipes of a Jeff Joniak and Adam Amin, who will both be calling this game. Joniak, who was on with us yesterday and nearly broke the studio. I heard. Yeah, yeah. how about that? Not whatever, Jeff. He no. is now, then he won't admit it. Like, I mean, just passing the buck. 
And he gave uh, Adam Amin a, a – he guided him into the studio. What a great teammate he is. He guided him is. into the Jeff Joniak studio. Yeah. Class act. It's a class act all around. It was good seeing Adam earlier, too. I was yeah. And he stayed around. Amin's got practice. work to do. He's got to get back to the city. He's a busy guy. I asked Adam Amin to join us at 2.30, and he said, for you guys – I'm going to stay. That's because he's a mensch. He's a mensch. Former, Joniak. Uh, Joniak's intern- like, I got to go. You guys, I got to go. I can't stay with you. Adam Amin, uh, uh, former intern at night uh, with Carmen and Hoodie, Carmen and JD. That's right. Off of our tree. Absolutely. Adam Amin. We claim him. We do. He's off and, the tree. And he's sitting next to Bill Raftery like it's a couple amazing. of days ago. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> um, all right, boys. So uh, what is up on the show today? Adam's so, coming up. Yeah. So uh, Adam Amin's uh, got the television call. Of course, we're your radio home. So we want you to mute Adam Amin. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> we love him, but turn him, wow. turn him off on Saturday. And, and yeah. let's take that, the- Adam. <laughs> you don't need to listen to Adam. How's that for a sales job? Take, take that. <laughs> Thanks for waiting around. Don't worry, Adam. He hits the dump button every time Swift I talk to him. kicking the nuts. Yeah. So we'll talk to Adam on being coming up now. Uh, he's awesome, he, and he's just the best. And uh, when Bra- Bra- Braxton saw you guys, too, we right? Saw Mason Braxton and Braxton. And Mason. Yeah, yeah, they came by. We talked to them. At the, Were they fr- creating hell over no, there? No, not at all. The first crosstalk was wrapping up. They came by. We uh, told them to jump on the Twitch camera and wait for a second. And Braxy wanted to make sure everybody knew uh, that. He goes, do you know that Sylvie's my dad? He kept asking him. He was asking Charlie. He wasn't sure Charlie knew. <laughs> Charlie was like, yeah, no, no, I know, I know. <laughs> we said, this is Chardog, Braxy. He's like, do you know Sylvie is my dad? He's very proud. That's good. Yes. I got a, I got a funny story to tell about, and he loves Waddle, too, of, of Waddle spoiling my children. So um, I, I, will, I will tell a story later. But Adam Amin coming up next. Right, Adam boys. John's coming up at three we will continue the baseball conversation later in the show we have a would you rather today send in your would you rather entries hashtag at ws would you rather send them to tyler meller is off today so send them to tyler aki on twitter today he will sort through them we'll pick one in the four o'clock hour you'll win a gift card to the pride stores that is the favorite store of one carmen yes, defalco absolutely and uh we've also got a hot tub uh, uh time machine today. i love it hot take, hot take, hot take. timing yes. hot take time machine They've been very good lately, too. All right. I love it. And and it's a Waddle anniversary today, Carm, as well. Hmm. All right. I look forward to hearing what that's all about. I had 12 beers in an hour after practice. I was going to say, you smoked your first Marlboro on this day 35 years ago. In between practices. (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, He's 56. Well, 35 all right. uh, years uh, four, four, ago. 48 years ago. 45 years ago. 45 years ago on this day, Waddle had his first heater. So there you yeah. go. Uh, Waddle and Sylvie get you home next. Everybody have a great Thursday. Tomorrow we will wrap the week with you at Fuller House in Hinsdale, right downtown Hinsdale. It is a great spot. We'll be with our good friends from Few Whiskey, so come have a few with us. It's going to be a fun Friday. We'll see you tomorrow starting at noon. And then Waddle and Sylvie are next. See ya. Ah, commuting in Chicago. Ah, if you're stuck, stick with Waddle and Sylvie. Weekdays 2 to 6. We are broadcasting once again from Hallis Hall today as we draw closer to Bears football. This is your home for Bears football, ESPN 1000. We'll have a full day's broadcast on Saturday as well, and we cannot wait for it all. 
And uh, joining us right now in our studio here is Adam Amin. He is one of the great voices in sports broadcasting. He got a a round of applause from Danny Zetterman. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all join in. Like Adam, you say a Danny, a Danny ovation or a standing ovation? It could be a Danny ovation. Yeah. He was standing up to leave, yes. I think, more than anything else. And he's like, oh, I should probably turn around and right. acknowledge that real quick. Is your, uh, your headset good? It's you good. could hear? Yeah, can All hear right. Like, uh, it is great to see you. And like I said before the break, the best hugger in <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I hate to quantify it, Waddle, as best hugger in broadcasting. No, no, no. I no, think no, he's no. the best hugger, period. Yes. Yeah. That's that's high praise. He, you guys are like, you guys are polar opposites. Sylvie's like, have you ever seen the hug that, that they do at the end of Step Brothers? Yeah. Yo, where the where hands are like a little awkward. Yeah. And, and he doesn't like, know. And then eventually he just pats his, him on the back or yeah. like touches his forehead or yeah, something. Yeah. That's Sylvia's Syl- a hugger. Sylvia will, will know how to hug me and then will kiss me on the forehead like yes. uh, like uh, the the father in that. Absolutely. See, but but I, I I think it's it's different with Amin because I know the expectation. I'm awkward when I don't know the expectation or the oh, person. Oh, that's fair. Because he always gives me a great hug. Yes, yeah, beca- yes, does. because I know what I'm getting into. When like you know how <laughs> it's basically you... a relationship. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a, and like that's you... how you want to be described. I know what I'm getting into yes, with you as a exactly. friend. <laughs> like you know when you go up to somebody and like they go uh, with a handshake and then you're giving them a fist bump yeah, yeah, and then you tough. get crossed between that. Yeah. And then or or sometimes you'll go in and someone thinks they're going in for a hug. And you're going in, and you get crossed up, yeah, or sure. you don't know if it's a half hug or if you're going in for a full hug. So you don't know if you're on the same page sure. with a person. Sure. There's with no a, ambiguity with that. With, no. <laughs> with, with Adam Amin, I know I'm going to get a full hug, a full body hug. I know I'm going to get a face rub, too. He is going to fully rub my face it's a, it's with cheek, his it's, face. It's cheek to cheek, I essentially. Get a full, I go full. He gives me I save full the, cheek I sa- to I cheek. I save those for the, for the very special people. I yeah. come from a very affectionate, loving family. Like, we were always, my, my dad and I, my mom and I, my brothers and I were all very, very close. That's how we always have been. And, and I, I, It's the way it should be. I re- and I read this thing. You, apparently, people need 12 hugs a day for, for growth for like emotional growth, eight a day for maintenance, and four a day for survival, just to survive emotionally. Who comes up with that? I don't know what kind of study this was, but this was like an Ivy League study of some sort. That it's like, this is what human contact does for you. You need four a day just to kind of survive where you're at so you feel some kind of human connectivity. I will say this in all seriousness. When when you are around, everything is brighter and happier. Yes. That's one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. And it's it's honest. And we talk about this even when you're not here, and we're not trying to embarrass you. No, I'm not embarrassed. But but you make the room... A whole lot more friends. Yeah, like that, and that's even above the broadcast ability. Yes. Like that's top of top that's, of food chain right there. You know what? The, everyone fair. always says an even better guy than he is a broadcaster. Yeah. Half the time, nobody means that. <laughs> just half, like eighty yeah. percent of the time, no one means that. With, with this cat, it's a hundred percent. Yes, real. You guys and, are sweet, sweet yeah. man. I've yes. known you a long time. You've always been yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so yeah. I love you both. What was your camp experience like today? So you've got the call on Fox. Yep. Um, Fox 32. That's this is local, so this is like the, you and Jim Miller, right? Like, this will be us, uh, myself, Jim Miller, Luke Canellis on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, and explain this to us because uh, some people have asked this before that football is odd because 
Football on television is the only sport where you don't have a local That's television right. crew. Yeah. For preseason, you do have a local broadcast, but in football, we always have a regional or national broadcast. Yep. But every other sport, we get a local Bulls broadcast, which you do. Sure. We get a local hockey television broadcast. We get a local baseball broadcast for each side of town. Yep. We get local television everywhere except for football. Yep. But you are the local home of the Bears for television. We get to do the – the, and this year we happen to do all three. Last year we only did two out of the three, but we get all three this year, all three of them locally on Fox. All three of them are right here on ESPN 1000, so you can listen in on it if you're in the car or whatever, you, whatever you're doing on Saturday, on the, on the next three Saturdays, in fact. And it's, it's fun because it really does give you a quick – like local sense of the team, and it's the best time of year to do it, right? It's it's kind of hard, you know. You're prepping ninety guys and the third and fourth yeah. string guys on depth charts, but that's what makes it fun, you know. Guys like Coin Dang, who may never get into an NFL game, let alone this season, maybe ever. You know, you, they have great stories, and you get to kind of share this and where they come from and what their college experience was like and why what they're scrapping for. And there is a little bit of that uh, kind of not sentimentality, but there's a little bit more of an emotional context to you get to the third, fourth quarter of a preseason game, you get to talk about some of these guys that may may never really get to be on, on your radar during the 18 weeks of an NFL season. So there are it, it's a different type of broadcast. We do happen to be on NFL Network on Friday, on a Saturday this week. They'll take our broadcast. So if you're not, you know, you're listening to Waddle and Sylvia, you're watching on, online or whatever it is, and you're like, well, like, I don't have Fox 32. I live in Nevada. Well, you'll watch it on NFL Network for this week, too. How much intel do you get from, like, Matt Eberflus for a preseason game? Well, you know, I mean, he's very candid with us during the regular season, and I imagine he'll be good with us. We'll get uh, time with him tomorrow. We'll get some time with Ryan Poles and, and a couple of the players as well. Do you and feel like you have a, a good feel for who Matt Eberflus is? Yeah, we did three, three or four games, three or four Bears games last year and at a different points of the season, so we really got to pick the brains of of Eberflus and Getze in particular to try to see where they're at from I think we had them in week five I think I had them later in like week eight or nine and then again we had the week 13 game against Green Bay last year so different portions of the season you kind of got a sense for him I think he got more comfortable in the role of of media liaison as well not only as a head coach but as like kind of the liaison to give uh, some insight on the team. I thought Getze was got, getting more and more comfortable as not only a guy in the room, but as a play caller. And as he got a little bit more comfortable expanding his playbook, and we saw some of the success that Justin had over the course of the second half of last year. So well, I think we got a great sense for him. Matt, I think, gives you what you need without giving you too much and feeling like you have to. he has to backtrack over a bunch of stuff. Because NFL head coaches are on a hot seat about as much as any position in professional American sports, right? Like NBA coaches are on the podium every night. Baseball managers are in the dugout every day. But it just feels like the NFL guys, because there's not a game every two nights. There's not a game every day. Those guys think that they are protecting uh, protecting national secrets. Yes, very much so. And that's what, like, I've been in the room. Somebody asked me today, have you ever been in a room with Bill Belichick? I'm like, yeah. And he doesn't want to give you anything. (laughs) Bill Belichick, I'm going to say, this. I don't know if anybody's ever described him as this publicly. To me, Bill Belichick is just a big nerd. Like, he wants to talk about the history of football. He's not going to tell you. It'll be, Bill, can you tell me what you think about the philosophical differences between the nickel defense and a traditional 4-3? And he's going to lean forward in his chair, 
and go through the last 40 years of football well, his history. His eyes light up. When and his eyes light up, and he's, he'll give you a little sly smile, and he'll smirk at you and go, remember this guy, remember that guy, I like this philosophy. And then you go, that's awesome. How's Mac Jones doing in practice? And then he's going to lean back and cross his arms and goes, hey, you know, he's fine. He's doing okay. We're happy with his progress. And that's, that's Bill Belichick for it, you. It's incredible. So do you, when you go into a meeting with him then, do you play that? Do you, do you then feed the beast a little bit? I think you have to to just see if you can get somebody comfortable. You know, it's it, they everybody feels like they're protecting state state, yeah. state state secrets when it comes to the National Football League because players are scared a little bit to go through go say something that oh the, the, oh my coordinator didn't want me to say that or my position coach didn't want me to say that and I let that slip out. Now for us. And I think as players get older and, you know, especially quarterbacks who get into these meetings every single week just about, they get a little bit more comfortable with what to say, how to say it. And if they know you a little bit, they know, all right, this guy's not going to torch me on the air. He's not trying to get some kind of secret. Everything we get in meetings is completely embargoed until about an hour before kickoff for, like, the pregame shows if it's, like, a major injury. We're not trying to break news in the same way right. that, you know, we got a lot of great reporters in this city and across the country who are trying to break news and get information. That's not my job. That's not Mark Schlereth's job or Christina Pink's job on our crew or anybody else's job. We're just trying to get insight so mostly our crew, our production crew, can be best prepared. Like, if this guy's not playing, let me at least get the graphic done the night before so that I don't have to worry and scramble at 11.30, 30 minutes before kickoff to try to get everything updated. That's sure. more the reasoning. Who's the most gregarious guy, player or coach, that that you look forward to talking to? My favorite NFL head coach to talk to is Mike Tomlin. I absolutely adore Mike Tomlin. I think he's one of the best human beings in this sport. I think he's one of the best motivators of players, and I think he's very candid, and he trusts that – if I tell you something, I'm, I'm assuming that it's not going to be told until yeah. basically from you guys kickoff or if it's like some breaking news, then maybe 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, whatever it is, on Sunday afternoon. The trust that he has to tell us certain things, the trust that we put into him to know that he's not going to lead us in the wrong direction. Al Michaels had a great story about Bill Parcells when Bill was starting out as an NFL head coach. And I can't remember where he started. Was it, was it in New York? I can't remember. Uh, off the top of my head. Well, as a head coach? As a head coach. Yeah, I think it was New York. So, yeah, he he cut his teeth, I think, with the Patriots he, for a while as, yeah. a, as an assistant coach. I think, I think you're right. So when he became a head coach, I remember Al Michaels went into a production meeting for like a Monday night football game, and Parcells basically like lied, kind of steered him in the wrong direction by, when Al asked him about a personnel thing. And he's like, oh, well, he's, he's, he's not in. He's not going to play. And then he shows up, you know, an hour before kickoff on you know, during warm-ups. And the next time he had the Giants, I guess he went in and said, Bill, I don't care if you tell me everything. I don't care if you tell me nothing. But do not lie. Do not say something that's not true because it's going to reflect poorly on me, and it's very much going to reflect poorly on you. And I don't, I don't think he's a vindictive guy by any means, but there are certain announcers out there that's gonna, that are going to take that personally. Mm. Or human beings, not just announcers. Human beings, reporters, anybody are going to take that personally when they're lied to. So my whole thing is if you don't tell me fine, I'll find out somehow. There's a lot of great sources of information in this league that kind of get you what you need, especially on a Sunday af- Sunday morning before a Sunday afternoon game. Just don't steer me in the complete opposite direction. And the guys that are candid enough while 
also being protective of their guys. I respect that. I appreciate that. Just do not lie to me. That's all I ask. That's interesting. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and, hey, are you ever concerned that you may read from a team's uh, note package or whatever it is and that at some point you're going to get suspended? <laughs> for I, oh, my gosh. Oh. You know, let, I, I, let me say something. I, I know owners in sports get a lot of flack. And listen, at the end of the day, like, am I going to take the side of the working man versus a billionaire owner? Yeah, I'm probably going to take the side of a working man. But I do appreciate that Jerry Reinsdorf lets us be critical of our teams. You know, the White Sox, Jason and Steve are critical when it's when it's appropriate. We're never personal about it. Never. I would never because that's not me as a human. I would never take a personal shot at a guy. But if the team's playing poorly or a guy makes a poor play, we say so because we have expectations. We expect better of that particular player or this particular team. So that's what the gauge is. That's the baseline and barometer for how we judge how to be critical of a team. And again, it's never a personal shot. It's that player didn't make a very good play there. He's having a rough three or four game stretch. But your that's credibility just, is the, on the line too. That's just a fact. And and I think Jerry's been pretty outwardly out, out, uh, outspoken about this outside of Hawk and Hawk's a institution in Chicago. But he said, I don't need a homer. I, I like, Tell me what's happening, and I think that gives us, you know, Jason, Steve, myself, Stacy. it gives us credibility when we do say critical things about the team because when they're performing well, you believe it. We're not, you know we're not lying to you when we say they're doing something good because you've heard us say when they're not doing something good. And it really upset me. I know it upset Jason because he's very close. If you haven't heard the Kevin Brown story, I'm sure you have. Jason and Kevin are very close. Kevin's a friend of mine going back to our days at ESPN together. We've worked together. He's one of the bright young announcers in this country. I agree with everything that's been said by Hall of Fame announcers around baseball. And I love the fact that fans came to his defense. But he just gave you facts, and frankly, they were complimentary about the 2023 Baltimore Orioles right. by saying, yeah, they struggled for five years against arguably the best team overall or one of the two best teams overall in the American League, and now look how well they're doing in 2023. You should be proud of what your team, if you're an it, it, Orioles fan, is doing. It's yes. It is absolutely a compliment, and it really upset me because now you know that's a slippery slope in Baltimore, and I, I, I do appreciate that we have – at least for the Bulls, and, and I, I'm not speaking for Jason, but I think Jason would say the same thing the, in Chicago with Jerry Reinsdorf and, and that ownership group, that they don't call us and say, what are you doing? Why are you saying this about uh, about the team? Never they, happened? It, it's never happened. I've ne- in, in the you know three years I've been working for this organization, I've never received the phone call that said, why, oh, why did you say that? Or why did you say it that way? I've, I've had someone call and say, hey, just out of curiosity, you kind of said something, or you guys do replays this way, just why? That's a conversation that you, if you're an owner or a chairman of a team or an executive, you absolutely have the right to ask that, like to have the conversation. I do work for for you, essentially. Like, yeah, if you have a concern or you want me to try something or implement something, let's have the conversation. I am perfectly flexible and open to doing that, but I've never once received a call that said, you guys showed that you know, for, uh, Kobe White is shooting 25% over the last four games. Why did you do that? Not once has that ever taken place. No one's ever called up and said, why did Adam say that we're only averaging 89 points over the last three games? No one's ever said that to me, and I appreciate that they give us the leeway and the space to be critical, to be factual, to be accurate, to give context and to give a barometer and a baseline so that you understand why 89 points a game or whatever is not good. 
relative to an average NBA team, will say, well, the NBA average is 101. They're averaging 89 for four games. Now you have some context to say they're not playing well offensively. That doesn't mean they're a poor team. That doesn't mean these are awful humans. It's just yeah. we're giving you the stretch of time and context and factual information so that when they score 120 the next game, you go, what an improvement that they made tonight compared to the last four games. That's how this works. That's this job. And it, I know I'm kind of getting off on a rant here. No, it, it, but, I but it really bothered me what happened in Baltimore. But on the other side, I can tell it's why you truly do love working what you do work with with the Bulls yeah. because of the reason that you just enunciated. They, they, that gave, they gave us They give you the ability to do to be, your job. To, to do my job, to do to, for Stacey to do his job, for our crew to do their jobs, and for us to be credible so that when you do – you're not you, – when we do compliment the team, you know I'm not just being Sunshine Rainbows guy. Yeah. You know that I mean it because I've seen the best of them, I've seen the worst of them, and right now they're playing really well, and I'm going to tell you that. With that said, Stacy still doesn't believe a Bulls player committed a foul. <laughs> no, ever. ever. <laughs> right. I'm right about that. that. Totally, 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 totally fair. The totally referee's fair. thing is different, yes. <laughs> really quick, before we let you go, um, uh, which was more surreal for you? Internship meeting a Carmen DeFalco – or sitting and doing a game with Bill Raftery on Team USA? <laughs> I know that's a very uh, narrow comparison that we're trying to make, but Raft is, Raft is one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. I got to work with him at ESPN one time at Madison Square Garden. But the first time I ever worked with him, we did a St. John's game. I, afterwards, I said, Raft, it was so great. Thank you so much for being so kind. He goes, yeah, whatever. And he grabs me by the neck and throws me into a cab that just showed up, and we end up at PJ Clark's <laughs> till about 5 in the morning. Oh, wow. And then I had to take a 7 a.m. flight the next day to get to D.C. for a Marquette uh, Georgetown basketball game. We had a great time in Las Vegas, and I absolutely adore Raf. It's awesome. You're well, living the life. We feel the same way about you. Yes. Buddy. Thank yes. you, you're thank, the you best. For your, thank you for your time as always. Yes. Seeing you guys. Thanks as for stay, sticking around. Absolutely. You're the best and uh, the greatest uh, hugger around. If you see him on the streets, hug ask him. Adam Amin for a hug. <laughs> Adam Amin, the voice of everything, basically, and he'll be doing the television game on Fox. And we've got the radio call, of course, right here on ESPN 1000. It's Waddle and Sylvie. Ready for a new sports bar experience? Check out one of the newly remodeled Club Hawthorne betting bars in Crestwood, Joliet, Villa Park, or in a dozen locations throughout Chicagoland. Find your spots at HawthorneBettingBars.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER to get help. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Fun talking to Adam Amina. See people uh, in Twitch too enjoyed the conversation with him. It's just he's he's a gregarious like, young man. Yeah, and when you see great things happen to great people like yeah. him and someone who just loves this city as much as we do as fans, and um, he is just so good at his job too. He and, is, and and he's grateful. I uh, told you that like. He does everything exceptionally well, but his baseball coverage with AJ last year in the postseason, I think they were doing the Padres uh, series, was spectacular. Like, and I normally kind of just, it, it just settles in in the background for me. You know, their presentation was, was fantastic. There were, I think I told this story off the air. I don't believe I told it on. Um, but I, you know me. I don't watch much baseball outside the Cubs and Sox. Right. I watch a ton of Cubs and Sox games. It's a provincial game. I don't usually turn on a national game. 
the two that like two of the few that I have watched were two games that Adam Amin were on, and they were like two of the most exciting games of the year. There was a game like a couple of months ago between the Dodgers and Astros, where the Astros blew the game, and the pitcher I think for the Astros went absolutely crazy. Remember cursing out the umpire. I, I like I gotta look back at the highlights on exactly how that went. But it was a crazy, crazy end of the game and Adam th- had the call. Adam had the call and it, it was like a pitcher going crazy and cursing out the umpire. Dusty came running out too. Amin was on it and it was awesome. And I texted him during it. I go, This is nuts what's going on and he had the call. He also had the Sal Freelich call. Um, the rookie for the Brewers, who went three for three in a game in his debut. He had two home run robbing catches, and he had the uh, game-winning RBI uh, sacrifice fly. Three for three, game-winning RBI sacrifice fly, two uh, game-saving home run catches. It's not a coincidence. And, and, and like the he baseball, had that call, too. The baseball gods give those types of games to good people like Adam Amin. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. But um, Adam Johns, we have not talked to Adam Johns all training camp long. And we need to talk to him in person because his phone always sucks. Oh, man, that's rude. Yes, yes. Bad phone guy. So we've been waiting for a day that we're here in person to talk to him. He just turned 40 as well. He was just telling us off the He just left the, the air. room right now. I don't think that he was uh, too keen on you oh did he walk out when i said it's a horrible phone guy so we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to adam johns coming up about the bears would have been the things that he loves would have been the things that he doesn't like from training camp what does he expect to see on saturday for the bears first game we'll talk to johns who has covered this team for years coming up next